0: Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Howdy, partner. And welcome to not just a sports report. More specifically though, we are getting in to the NRL Preliminary Finals Preview. And I'm especially stoked about this. We have four teams left, including my one. My team did not expect this. We have Panthers on top. They look on trajectory for three consecutive premierships. Uh, As far as the 2020s, uh, that era so far totally belongs to the Panthers. The only team uh, that have really unsurped them in this journey have been the Melbourne Storm, who they play this weekend. Craig Bellamy, 50th finals game, tells you everything you need to know uh, about how well-equipped the Storm are going to be to take on Penrith here. Then you have the Brisbane Broncos, who, look, as a club, this is what's expected of them. But this has been such a wild ride. I don't think this year we expected uh, potentially a grand final out of them. So what the Broncos have done, just unreal. And then my team, the Warriors. I cannot believe this. I'm happy it's happening. And I'm so proud of the team, the coach, the fans, everyone. Holy, I, yeah. Just sitting here now trying to process it. I did not see a prelim coming this year. And now that we're in a prelim, oh boy. 80 minutes potentially away from a grand final. So there is plenty to get into today. Uh, I'm going to go through both games this weekend. Uh, That's basically all that's in store. I want to make sure uh, we're just time efficient. So we're just going to go through the games. There was no news or anything. Uh, I really felt like getting into. Uh, but one plug. The end of year performance highlights. Uh, that podcast will be out on Monday. And essentially that is the not just a sports report answer to the Dell I just don't give awards out. And the players aren't aware uh, that this actually exists. So I felt a bit wanky calling it anything like an award. So we're calling it performance highlights. It's an end of year podcast. Going to go through player of the year, team, coach of the year, uh, most improved, all sorts. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, I'll be revealing the not just a sports report, player of the year. Of course, the rising star for 2023 as well. Last year, uh, that was taken by Jeremiah Nanai. So keep your eyes peeled on Monday for the end of year podcast. And on Sunday... I'll be releasing the weekend wrap. So today, all about the preview for the prelims. Sunday, uh, I'll be going through basically all the action and we'll know who's in the grand final. Right now, it looks like it's heading toward Penrith, Brisbane. But as a Warriors fan, I don't want to think about that. So yeah, end of year pod coming up. Of course, all the categories were voted on by listeners of the podcast and followers of the page at not just a sports report on Instagram, uh, so it wasn't just my opinion. Uh, a lot of people voted, and I was quite interested to see what people thought. So that'll be out Monday. Weekend wrap on Sunday. But today, it's all about the preview. Let's get amongst it. NRL preliminary finals. Let's check the games out. We are launching straight into this one because we're only a few hours away. Four hours, as I say this. Tonight, 7.50pm, we find out team One for this year's grand final as the back-to-back reigning and defending champions. The Penrith Panthers, just a whisker. Ironic because Panthers do have whiskers away from a third straight premiership. In the modern era, Well, boy, oh, boy, we haven't seen a run quite like this. They host the Melbourne Storm. It is so rogue. Melbourne Storm are such huge underdogs. That is not how we've come to know the Storm in these big games. But that is the case here. And what we've learned this year when these sides have played each other is that there is a clear gap, a discrepancy uh, between the Panthers, Broncos and then the Storm. So Melbourne, look, they're quality enough to come here to Sydney and get the job done tonight, but it is gonna be a massive ask. Now, of course, Penrith, this run started in 2020. Now, the grand final loss to the Melbourne Storm, that seems to have been the catalyst for really driving the Panthers to that next level. But of course, it must be noted, of course, The Storm, if anyone has the tools, if anyone will have confidence they can do it, it's going to be Melbourne. But since 2020, Panthers have gone back to back. Storm now find themselves as the outside going into this one, or the outsiders rather. Uh, And if you've listened to the podcast all year, you'd know I split the whole season, regular season into three, whole season into five. Uh, Now rounds one up to magic round, that is phase one of the competition. Phase two is through Origin, uh, which you have to lift another gear throughout, and you face, you know, injury, suspension, Origin outs. Then, after Origin wraps up, that is the final third of the regular season, and then there's the finals. So you have three gears throughout the season, but you need to be able to produce that fourth gear, go to that next level, uh, once the final series kicks off. We saw the Knights were incredible. Uh, But against the Raiders, they just got through. I didn't quite have that same luck against the Warriors, Uh, Raiders, Sharks, another couple of ones who maybe, I don't want to be disrespectful, but just, they had the three gears to get themselves to finals, but they didn't quite have that next level, uh, which a few of the other teams have shown that they did. Then, after the fourth level final series, it's the fifth and final that last extra level that you have to go to in a grand final, which we know all the time of one on little moments. So phase five, you have to have that fifth level. Trust me, I've won zero NRL premiership, so I know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. But as far as this fifth gear theory, right now and this year as a whole, there are only two teams, I believe, that do have that fifth gear to really go up beyond what we've even seen in finals, beyond their best football we've seen in the regular season. I think Penrith and the Broncos have that ability to save their absolute peak for the very last game of the season. So we'll see. I hope I'm wrong about that as a Warriors fan. But my honest assessment is that right now there are two teams who have that fifth gear in them. And we may see them have to lift to that in the prelim to outclass some very dangerous opponents. It's going to be a banger, no doubt about that. Now, talking point, the Jerome's. uh, Jerome Hughes back in the side. Definitely not at 100% fitness, and neither is Jerome Luai. In fact, with his shoulder injury, the general consensus from people who kind of know Uh, about that kind of medical side of things, which I am not in tune with. Everyone is shocked that Luai has even been named here. Uh, I read a story, I read a headline, I didn't even read the story. Uh, That is a bit of a red flag. Uh, But that Jerome Luai, all it's going to take is one little bump uh, to injure him again and rule him out of potentially the grand final. So the Jerome Luai thing is easily the biggest talking point He doesn't look 100% right to go. And if the medical diagnosis was to be believed from the club's statement, there's no way in hell he's going to be able to play here. And if he does, wowee. It seems like he's significantly underdone. But Penrith, they must know something we don't. Now Jack Cogger has been named on the bench. I reckon they may start him. And just use Jerome Luai if they absolutely need him. But uh, yeah, I find it very interesting that Jerome Luai has been named to play. We'll find out in a couple of hours uh, whether he is going to start. Is it a smokescreen? And if he does play, uh, that is going to be one of the biggest focuses. Now, this is an injured player, but it's also not like Dylan Edwards coming in injured. Or, you know, Brian Toto or one of these other players. It's Jerome Luai, the ultimate antagonist. You better believe those Storm players are really, genuinely, they're not going to want to, like, injure him. But as far as this game, if he takes the field, they are going to want to inflict as much pain as possible on him. And if he's already carrying a significant injury, he is at a lot of risk. So it's a big play. Jack Cogger on the bench. We will know with hindsight... Uh, where the Luai does start, but he's going to be a massive target. I do wonder uh, with Big Nelson, sofa Solomona, we've seen him on the edge at times. Uh, do the Storm potentially start him on that edge and just run him at Luai if Luai starts the game? Or Big Ali Katoa? Storm are going to send a lot of traffic his way. And Luai has proven that he is a class player, and I'm sure if he does play, He'll give a great account of himself. But massive question marks around this. So that is easily the biggest talking point. Uh, One of the other big talking points, the coaches. Ivan Cleary just quietly humming along toward a third straight premiership. He's already etched his name in the history books, but with each passing season, the legacy of Ivan Cleary gets stronger and stronger. And you want to talk about a Premiership legacy? Craig Bellamy, this is his 50th finals game coached. Some coaches are lucky to get 50 games coached full stop. We've got to enjoy Craig Bellamy for however long we have him. Maybe next year will be his last. Let's enjoy Ballyague. And obviously both coaches are going to have their own plans, their own ideas uh, as to how they can have their path to victory. Now, looking across the teams, as I mentioned, Jerome Luai named. Isaac Tungo, also named. He's been one of their best when he's been on the field. But there seems to be, like, an injury issue. He's been out quite a bit. So you would have to imagine Isaac Tungo also below 100%. Luke Garner on the bench. We saw him come into the centres a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, a few question marks. Not just on Luai, but Tungo as well. But if they take the field and they are even close to 100%, well, bloody hell, you got to have them out there. Nathan Cleary, his fingers, so sore. Maybe from, I don't know, liking Mary Fowler's Instagram posts. A joke, I'm sorry. Albert uh, Cleary, he's good, his fingers are good. The doctors were like, mate, well, I wasn't there, but I'm sure they're like, mate, your fingers are fine. It's all good. You can play. But Cleary's tough as nails. Uh, You know, back in my uh, junior days, a jarred finger, and I'm like, I'm not going to training. I can't go to training. I got a jarred finger. I even remember my friend who's a physiotherapist was like, I can literally put that back into place now. And I was like, yeah, but we're hanging out. Why don't we just keep hanging out? Uh, So, yeah, Nathan Cleary, it's that mentality to push through pain, which a lot of these Panthers have. Uh, that really separates them from the rest of the pack. Now, having a look at the teams for the Storm. Jerome Hughes, he is back in. Uh, so Tyron Wishart moves back to the bench. No Xavier Coates still. So Remus Smith on the wing. Uh, we have seen the Storm last few weeks. Tinker with Harry Grant coming off the bench. Can you afford to do that here? Plus, Bronson Garlic who had been starting, he is out of the side. So I don't know if they would go Wishart starting. And I mean, Harry Grant misses the first 20 minutes. Penrith score a couple of tries. Good luck chasing that down. So I think we'll see Harry Grant start. And yeah, some pretty interesting teams, especially you know how close are some of these guys like your Jeromes and your Tongos from actually being at full fitness. Let's get on to stat attack, though, courtesy of my main man, David Middleton, and NRL.com. Panthers, this one will be no surprise. They've won their past seven finals games, back-to-back premiers after all. They are four from their last five against the Melbourne Storm. So they've had the wood recently. Uh, Both times this year, there was definitely a gap uh, between the teams. And I remember one of the games uh, at Marvel Stadium, I highlighted the front rowers and how I said the middle of the park was the key battle. For the Panthers, I actually thought in that game, it was their two props off the bench who I was most impressed with. Spencer Lenu, Lindsay Smith, I was gonna say Collins, Lindsay Smith uh, coming off the bench. At the start, Melbourne were really holding their own, giving it everything up against Leota and Fisher Harris. But then I found once Lenu Uh, and Lindsay Smith entered the fray, they totally changed the momentum of the game. So Storm, for the full 80 minutes, they have to be on. That's the only way uh, we've seen you can beat Penrith. You have to play the full 80 minutes and kind of hope for a little bit of luck along the way. Defend uh, like you've never defended in your life. Penrith, they require your best performance. Now Storm have won five of their last six games At a course stadium. So do with that information what you will. And four tries in their last five meetings. Stephen Crichton loves a meat pie against the Storm. And when it comes to finals. When it comes to these huge stages. Stephen Crichton more often than not. Produces an iconic moment. Uh, So he'll be someone Storm will have to shut down. And some other matchups across the park. Our fullback Dylan Edwards. You only have to look at that game against the Eels toward the back end of the regular season. No Dylan Edwards. Panthers look significantly different. And I know there are so many guys, when you talk about uh, this dynasty that Panthers are building, there are so many guys you have to speak in depth about. But one of the most key cogs to the machine is Dylan Edwards at the back. And with each passing season... He's adding more strings to the bow and we're seeing a much more complete Dylan Edwards uh, to the point where this year some people were pushing for him uh, to play fullback for the New South Wales Blues. So he is as important as any Penrith player. And for the Storm, Nick Meaney. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen, of course, out for the season. We only saw a very, very small glimpse of him. Nick Meaney has held it down all year. This is the biggest game of his career. And he's kind of like a Dylan Edwards player. I think Edwards now has kind of transcended beyond just a reliable, hardworking role player. And he's transcended into elite, world-class fullback. Uh, But Nick Meaney, similar kind of mold, the way they play the game. They didn't come in as these flashy superstars that people were saying like, you know, Reese Walsh, check this kid out. Kellen Ponga, drink water. Tedesco. Nick Meaney, not really spoken about in that same breath. But coming through the grades, he was a natural fullback. He's always been trying to lock this position down at NRL level. And you can't fault his efforts. He's done amazing for Melbourne this year. uh, And it's going to have to be the best game of his career. If he's going to want to beat Melbourne, uh, which I assume every one of the Storm players do. So much so that their B side sporting Panthers jerseys during the week uh, whilst they were training. I'll be one moment, I can hear my my cat scratching. I don't know if he's trying to imitate the Panthers noise. Maybe that's his official tip. Okay, I just quickly paused to let my cat in. Uh, and he actually said to me, the thing he's most interested in uh, with this game tonight, aerial assault on the wings uh, up against the meter makers. For the Storm, Remus Smith, very tall rangy center slash winger, Will Warbrick. You only have to look at the game against the Roosters to see how dangerous this man is in the air. Now, Tito Taruva and Brian Toto, as far as height, not super tall wingers. So it's very much expected in this game. A lot of kicks toward those wings. So Penrith, they'll be working on defusing it. Whilst the strength for Penrith, I mean, meters... Out of their own end. Nobody does it better than Brian Toto. That much we already know. So they try kick to Dylan Edwards. That doesn't really work. NRL teams trying to kick. They're like, we don't want to kick to To'o. Then in comes rookie, Sunia Taruva. They're like, let's kick to him. We don't want to kick to To'o. Taruva, one of the biggest strengths of his game. Uh, the carries, really tough carries, out of his own end. Uh, so the wingers... They are going to have a massive part to play in a lot of aspects in this contest. So that's going to be a highlight matchup. Uh, Remus Smith on the left up against Brian Toto. And I expect a lot of kicks for Will Warbrick up against Taruva. In the centres you have Isaac Tongo and Stephen Crichton. I believe Tago does play. Uh, that Stephen will play on the left, Isaac on the right. And for the Storm, I think one of the most interesting points in their team of late has been the makeup of their centers. We come into this one, Marion Seve, Justin Olem. Huge assignment for them to try and contain Penrith's world-class strike centers. X-Factor player for this game, Cameron Munster. He pulled off the game winner that saw the Storm qualify for this game, and it just feels like if there is one player that can unsettle this gun Penrith outfit, it's going to be Cameron Munster. So when it comes to the most valuable player in this game for Melbourne, has to be Cam Munster. They've kept him at the club long term as well. And he's just made for these type of environments. Now his kicking game is going to be crucial, especially given Jerome Hughes. We don't know exactly what his fitness levels are. So added responsibility for Munster. He usually thrives with that. I expect kicks toward Warbrick. Uh, But I also expect some early kick pressure. Try and find that Penrith back five, or back three more specifically, are out on a few occasions with early kicks. Uh, So for Melbourne, their main man, Cameron Munster, he's that X Factor, and you've gotta wonder, where does the X Factor come if Penrith can successfully shut him down? Now Harry Grant runs more than any dummy half in the competition, Uh, so he always poses a threat Jerome Hughes with Ali Katoa outside of him, potentially running lines uh, toward Luai. They could have some success there, but it's undoubtable. Cameron Munster is the man for the storm in an era where they've had a lot of men. Slaters, Cronks, Cameron Smiths, Greg Inglis. But now, there is one focal point, there is one man. And he goes by the name of Cameron Munster. So as always, massive game here for him tonight. Jerome Luai for Penrith. I spoke about him. His presence out there is going to be a massive talking point. If he starts, first 20 to 25 minutes, all eyes are going to be on Jerome Luai. Still really interested to see whether they make the late switch. Jack Cogger comes into the halves. And this is one, I guess, we'll know with hindsight. I can't break it down Too much in the preview, because we don't even know 100% if Luai is going to play. But on the Weekend Rap Podcast, we're going to be talking all about it. So that definitely one of the main focal points, Jerome Luai. And the main man for Penrith, Nathan Cleary, very clearly. And with Luai, all these question marks, like with Munster alongside Hughes, Cleary now gets that added responsibility Which he usually, himself, seems to thrive on. Uh, So the major battle, Nathan Cleary, Cam Munster. They are two faces of their respective clubs. At halfback for the Storm, Jerome Hughes. I tell you what, if he's close to 100% fit, he could be the one that really breaks this game open. An amazing running game, very, very fast off the mark as well. Uh, He's developed into a world-class halfback, Jerome Hughes like the other Jerome for Penrith, we just don't know exactly where he's at. My key battle, the Ford Packs, like it was when they met at Marvel Stadium. Uh, Now, Dummy halves involved in this. You have Mitch Kenny, who served his apprenticeship. Now, he is a Penrith number nine, uh, and the first one picked in that position. He's very sound defensively, is Mitch Kenny, and he's found his own niche. He was never going to be Another RP Corasau. There's only one RP, So Mitch Kenny, he took all the experience, all the learnings from Corasau over the years, as well as strengths of his own game. And now we have a pretty complete Mitch Kenny. Again, in that loss against the Eels, I thought it became very clear how much the Panthers actually missed Mitchell in the middle. And he's a player that I rate very highly, as is Harry Grant. Uh, similar to Munster, Harry Grant has a major bearing on the result here. Uh, now, out of dummy half, you can expect he is going to have to make a lot of tackles here. I think Penrith are going to keep sending traffic his way. Uh, so, Harry Grant, the question is, if the game's on the line, last 10 minutes, how much juice is he going to have left? Because I think a major Penrith game plan here is going to be uh, to really take out the sting from Harry Grant, make him do so much defense uh, that you kinda take his running game out of play and from there you can shut down Munster, you can really get on the front foot. So Harry Grant, massive role for him to play. He knows he's gonna have to get through his tackles and there's no better number nine in the competition. So when it does get to that final 10 minutes, if you're gonna back anyone, gonna trust anyone to still have a little something special left in the tank, it's gonna be Harry Grant. It's a bit of a madman too, bit of a hothead out there. So yeah, I expect a very physical, very personal encounter. I think these two tides, as they say, are going to take this match up very personally, given previous history. Now the front row. I highlighted this battle when these sides met earlier this season. And again, it is crucial. For Melbourne, it's just seemed like maybe they're one short in that medal to go to that fifth Premiership gear. Whereas Penrith, they have it all sorted. Right now the benchmark of front rowers, James Fisher Harris, Moses Leota. It doesn't get better than that. They are the back-to-back reigning Premiers. They are the pinnacle of this competition as far as front rowers. Then you have Spencer Lenu, a departing player, off to the Roosters next year. We've seen how much impact he has off the bench. Lindsay Smith. Career best year. He's finding himself now regularly in this rotation. And with Spencer Lenu on his way out. Lindsey Smith. He is he's one to watch. I'm a big fan of Lindsey Smith. And they've also got a young guy, Liam Henry, who's not playing here. Uh, but I think once Spencer Lenu departs the club, we'll see a bit more of Liam Henry as well. So the production line keeps on rolling. That is just an elite front row rotation. Whilst for the Storm, it's going to be up to Big Tui, Christian Welsh, the captain, Tarek Sims and most notably Nelson Asofa Solomona. I think he's going to be out there to go after Luai. If Jerome is playing, expect Big Nas to be targeting him and as far as that battle in the middle, look they may play him a little bit on the edge but I think they need him here to compete with the likes of Fisher-Harris and Leota. So for the Storm, it's no use having your game-winning monsters, your Will Warbricks who can finish a try, your Harry Grant who can create something out of nothing. It's no use having these guys if you're going to get dominated in the middle. So that is where it all starts as far as winning this game. That's why it's my key battle. Uh, As far as middles as well, the Lock Fords, Isaiah Yo. I mean, again, like Dylan Edwards, like Cleary, as important as anyone to this dynasty. And given how much we see uh, Yo link up with his halves, create play, uh, we saw it with Arpi Corasau last year, now with Corasau gone, extra responsibility for Yo. Now here with Jerome Luai under an injury cloud. I think we're gonna see a lot of link plays through Yo, uh, a lot of the play created through him, And I also think the best thing he has to offer though is just running the ball and tackling. In the middle, he just gets through that 80 minutes, consistently produces huge numbers. Uh, But here I think I think we're going to see him called on a little bit more uh, in trying to create some big plays. Whilst Josh King for the Melbourne Storm has transformed himself into a regular first grader and now a leader in this Storm pack. He arrived from the Knights... He's a very different player now. Biggest game of Josh King's career. Uh, on the edges, you have Scott Sorensen, Liam Martin. Not gonna get much better than that. Now, again, if Luai starts, Scott Sorensen, his role is gonna be to be in that enforcer, that Tony Carroll type uh, who just makes sure Jerome Luai isn't getting bashed and batted very early on in the contest, so I expect An aggressive Scott Sorensen. Liam Martin, I think it goes without saying, he's going to be aggressive. Uh, And if Nathan Cleary's like, ow, my finger, you better believe Liam Martin is that enforcer as well. Uh, So he'll have a massive role to play Will Liam Martin. He may even cross for a try. I'll tell you what, he doesn't mind a meat pie. You have Luke Garner on the bench. If something happens to Isaac Tungo, or across the back line, Luke Garner, I can fill in in the centres. Otherwise, you can play him uh, edge-back rower. So Luke Garner, what kind of part will he have to play? Bet he's at least glad that he left the Tigers to be playing in a game like this. No shade, though. I didn't mean that disrespectfully. Whilst the edges for the Storm, Trent Loyero, Kawana Dolphins Jr., has owned that position this year. He's come in, made it his own. Biggest game of Loyero's career, no doubt about that. My man, Eli Katoa, came from my side, the Warriors. Really happy to see the success he's having on that right side of the park. And if Luai does start, big Katoa. Ooh, watch out, Jerome. And then you have Tom Eisenhuth on the bench, similar to Ghana. I can play in the edge back row, can play in the middle, uh, and can also play in the centres. Tom Eisenhuth, never going to let anyone down. So you've got some pretty handy forwards and pretty handy bloody players across the entire park. This makes for a fantastic way to kick off the prelims. Final thoughts? Penrith were my tip to win in the pre-season. I hope I'm wrong, I hope the Warriors win. But I'm gonna stick with that. I very rarely go against Penrith. I think I have three times this year against the Bunnies. And that actually proved to be right against the Cowboys the first time they met. That proved to be right. Uh, if you, you know, want to congratulate me at any stage for that, go ahead. Uh, and then I went the Warriors in week one of the finals, and reality slapped me in the face and said, wake up to yourself. Wake up to yourself, mate. So Penrith, traditionally, I don't tip against them. I'm not going to here, but Storm are absolutely capable of winning. So that's what makes it a juicy matchup. We've got 80 minutes of rugby league. Penrith are no certainties. They are not already in the grand final, as many suggest. Melbourne Storm are not just going to give that honour to them. We've got a game on our hands. I'm taking the Panthers. How? Middles. I think Waria. Waria Hargreaves? Okay. I didn't know he played for the Panthers. Maybe he's... I think he's suspended. That's why he's not playing for Penrith, who I've fucking just signed him to. I don't know where I got Waria Hargreaves from. James Fisher-Harris and Leota, I think they start fast, Storm, they're going to struggle to keep up with that pace, once Melbourne start climbing back into the contest, boom, Spencer Lenu, Lindsay Smith, I think once again, uh, it's just an avalanche of momentum, guys like Steven Crichton, Tungo if he's good to go, Brian Toto, Dylan Edwards, Penrith, I don't think they'll be denied here, Why? I think at the very least, Grand Final. I don't know for like 100% that the three-peat is locked in, but it seems like they're 100% going to be their Grand Final day. And it's going to be up to either the Broncos or the Warriors or the Storm tonight, if they can do it, to be the ones. To be the champion, you have to beat the champion. And Penrith, they are well and truly on top. Over the U, Melbourne. Let's see what they got tonight. And on the weekend wrap podcast, we'll discuss what goes down. Taking the Penrith Panthers. Now let's move on to a game that is blowing my mind. I feel very blessed just to even be able to preview this game, this game, my game of the weekend. Finals week three, preliminary finals. You know what that means. That is a grand final qualifier. And with that, at the very least, comes a highly enjoyable grand final week full of dreams of what could be. This is a big one. Now we have the Broncos who finished second against the Warriors who finished fourth. Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane, Broncos Like I said, if anyone is going to challenge this Penrith side, I think it's going to be the Broncos. Now the talking point with this one was the kickoff time. Boo. 7.50. So that's 9.50 in New Zealand. So it kicks off just before 10pm. A lot of kids probably won't last the distance of the game, going to fall asleep, won't get to uh, be inspired. Is it the biggest travesty ever? No. Could they have fucking tried to pull an afternoon game? Sure, am I gonna let that bother me right now? Hell no, so we move on. Our coaches, Kevin Walters, holy dooly, six time premiership winner, Broncos legend as a player. Now, carving out a pretty legendary early start uh, to his life as a Broncos coach, not before some very tough times though, uh, which is what makes Kevin Walters' season all the more terrific. Then you have Andrew Webster who came to the club. Uh, I read a story today. First thing he did, picked up the phone, rang our players and said, I'm backing you guys. Yeah, I'm going to back you guys in. He's shown trust in the squad. He's won over the fans. He's won over the nation. Andrew Webster. I'm going to name my first child Andrew Webster. Straight up. Holy dooly. And it's since Ivan Cleary, I haven't. I've never been content or fully satisfied with our head coach. And I I apologize to all of them. Stephen Kearney was great at times. Nathan Brown had a huge part in setting up this roster. But since Cleary, I really haven't been happy with the head coaches. Todd Payton was an exception, but he didn't stick around. Andrew Webster, we have our man. So stoked about that. Now, Suncorp Stadium tomorrow night is sure to be rocking. Brisbane fans, well, they've been made to wait for quite some time for a return to the big dance. Whilst the Warriors enter as the underdogs, they will not be short on confidence. And us Kiwi supporters, well, we're going to be made, we'll be sure to make our voices heard. I fucking butchered that. My bad. Uh, And especially the Kiwis in Brisbane, in Queensland, because there are plenty of them And I tell you what, when they come out in force, we saw it against the Titans. Seemed like it was a Warriors home game on the Gold Coast. Uh, So there's going to be two rabid fan bases. It's going to be unreal. Like both sets of fans are going to come out in force. And the atmosphere, well that's going to lay the platform for what is sure to be one hell of a game. The anticipation, at least for myself, is palpable as the Brisbane Broncos and Warriors clash. Prelim final, like I said, grand final qualifier. A stage in terms of the final series that neither team had graced last year. Warriors finished second last. Like, I did not go into this season expecting this. While the Broncos had an all-time fade-out until the Rabbitohs said, hold my beer, here they are, grand final qualifier. One of these teams gets that dream run, and you would assume, most likely gets a crack at the Penrith Panthers. So the best is still to come. Warriors, they're gonna be charging into Brisbane, buoyed by their emphatic victory over the surging Knights, ending Newcastle's 10-game win streak. And with the Warriors, the recent triumphs have captured the entire nation. Like, there have been dormant fans who have started to take an interest once again, but just the whole country of New Zealand is buzzing right now. So there is a wave of momentum carrying the Warriors into Brisbane. And we dare to dream, us Warriors fans, of that elusive, very elusive first premiership. At times, in the last couple of years, I thought, am I ever going to see one? Could I actually... And I'm not saying I'm going to die soon. But I was like, trying to, I was facing kind of a possibility, like, I might die, or spend my whole life without getting to see one Warriors Premiership. Now this year, I don't think we're going to win it, but that outlook has changed a lot. Now I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to see at least one in my lifetime. Hopefully multiple, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. For the home side, the Broncos, they are coming off a week off, dominated Melbourne in week one of the final series. And whilst Brisbane's win left fans in awe and kind of reminded everyone of the glory days of the club and what the Brisbane Broncos have traditionally known to be, uh, it was just remarkable. And it wasn't the 26 points that they scored uh, that really took our breath away. It was the zero points conceded. And I think defensively, that is going to be the biggest key. Their mindset in defense, Warriors are gonna find it very, very hard to crack this Broncos side. Now for Bronx, 2006, their last Premiership, and of course the heart-wrenching loss in the 2015 Grand Final, they seem both like a while ago though, almost like another lifetime ago. But the pain of last year, being in the top four and sliding all the way out of the eight by the time finals roll around, that is still felt within the four walls of the club. Now the Broncos this year, all the pressure under their coach, under the players, they could have buckled under the weight of expectation. But instead, Brisbane have produced a 2023 season that is more reminiscent of sides filled with legends past rather than this young side that had been scarred by things like the club's first ever wooden spoon. It's an amazing bounce back now Broncos do have the facilities and the resources, so it should be happening. It still, it should be happening, but it doesn't take away uh, from this actual accomplishment, especially given their form has been consistent all the way through. I mentioned I split the season, our regular season, into three. Cannot fault them in any area across the regular season. We come into finals, 26-0 against the Storm. That is an A-plus pass mark. So I've loved it from Brisbane. It hasn't just been a side that has the talent to win it. They've put in the work, and now they actually have the runs on the board from consistent top-flight football to challenge for the Premiership. If I was a Brisbane fan, I would be so excited, but I'm not, so fuck him. I am excited, though, but for the Warriors. Back to the Broncos, though. And when they were at their lowest point, only then did they reach out to Kevin Walters to take the helm as head coach. Kevy wanted the job, seemed like, you know, once Bennett first was leaving the club, Kevy would have loved it. So many times the role was up for grabs. They gave it to Seabold, they gave it back to Bennett at one stage. There were all sorts of things going on. Anthony Griffin got the nod, Ivan Henjak. Only once the Broncos were on their knees, coming off the worst era in the club's history by a huge stretch, did they say, all right, Kevin, we'll give you the job. And it took a little while. It did. The last couple of years weren't fantastic for the Broncos, but now here they are one game away from the grand final. You've got a coach. That was his priority all along it. We all knew it. Kevin Walters, he would have coached the Cowboys, the Titans. He would have coached anyone. We knew where his heart lay, and that's with the Broncos. So there's definitely a lot of power with that. And as recently as this year, Kevy's coaching was brought right into question. I think we can well and truly put those criticisms and those questions to bed. Kevin Walters is the man for the job. I'm so happy for him. I hope he gets heartbroken here. I really do. He already has six more premierships than the Warriors do as a club. So you've had enough, Kevy. Stop it. But yeah, just like as a neutral point, trying to take my Warriors hat off, I could not be happier for Kevy. It looked a couple of stages there like he was just going to be the victim of where the Broncos were at, the intense media scrutiny, and like he was going to get chewed up and spat out by Brisbane, which would have been an ugly mess, given that he's a club legend. Here he is, like I keep saying, one game away from the grand final. And if you're a player, and you have a coach who's won six premierships, if he's giving you some advice, you are listening. No doubt about that. In contrast, well, Warriors, we've never ex- been expected, other than maybe when we first came into the comp, uh, to really be a powerhouse, to be in this position, We've only had one finals appearance since 2011, that being a week one loss. And just quietly, on 2011, Sean Johnson's first season, preliminary final. The team go down to Melbourne. Melbourne Storm looked like the front runners for the Premiership that year. Very late in the game, Sean Johnson, Lewis Brown, Lewis Brown try, Warriors grand final. I was still very young, so I, I mean, I wasn't very young. I was old, definitely old enough to remember, but it's been so damn long. I was a kid then and now I'm like 27. So it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. If we can get back there, I'm gonna lose my bloody mind. And that is one of my fondest all-time Warriors memories that Sean Johnson passed to Lewis Brown in Melbourne. Now onto the actual game side of things. Saturday, it's happening tomorrow, holy cow. Cowbunga, dude. Eat my shorts, Brisbane, it's gonna be epic. Uh, both sides have named the same 17, so that's great. I mean, both sides, the teams that played last, well and truly earned their spot for a game like this, so I'm glad. No suspensions, no injuries. All these players, they get what they've earned. Uh, Fullbacks, I mean, they are arguably as important as any position on the field. Reese Walsh returns to Brisbane from the Warriors. Of course, major talking point here, Reese Walsh up against his old club, the side that gave him his debut. Now, Reese Walsh has killed it. I don't think there has been a better fullback in the comp this year. And in fact, when I threw it to a vote uh, for the end of year pod, a lot of people agreed. So it hurts. It does suck. I'm like, damn, seeing Rhys Walsh the, play, uh, the way he is. But family is important. Like, he needed to be there to be close to his kid. And whilst we can see Rhys Walsh and say, this is unbelievable. I wish we had him in Auckland this year. Away from his family, we may not have gotten the Rhys Walsh we've seen at Brisbane. So it seems like a natural fit. I mean, it has been a natural fit. And Reese is the biggest danger as far as points being created, as far as breaks being made. Reese Walsh sweeping out the back. Warriors, especially on those edges, guys like Rocco Berry and Adam Pompey, they're going to have to be very careful. And it's wild because if Reese runs the ball, he's so hard to stop. But if he decides to pass it to anyone, if he gives it to Adam Reynolds, Reynolds can come up with something. Jordan Rickey can run a hard line. Tony Stags. Sal and Kobo, they seem like they were made for a big stage, like a grand final qualifier. Rhys Walsh, he's the one that really executes a lot of these plays. Warriors will have a game plan, but it's one thing having a game plan, and it's another thing altogether stopping Reese Walsh. That is what we have learned over the course of this year. On the opposite end of the field, C-N-K. Chance Nicole Klugstad my man now you ask most fan bases in the nrl which nrl fullback would you take if you could have him at your club and the two options were chance or walsh pretty much everyone's picking reese walsh you ask warriors fans who do you want as a warriors fullback chance nicole cook every single day of the week he wants to be in that warriors jersey and i'm not saying that in any way to throw shade at reese walsh Reese Walsh, I think, like I said, very natural fit at Brisbane. Uh, his best football is coming because he's happy off the field, uh, which is important. But Chance bleeds the Warriors. He never wanted to leave the club in the first place. We've brought him back. That fullback jersey is his. And look, we had Roger tuovasa sheck coming back next year. Hell yeah. And it really sucked losing him. It was like, damn. But also, he was giving the best years of his career to a club that was severely underachieving. So I was okay to see him go, but it was like, who's gonna come in? Then we sign Reese Walsh, and I already knew about Reese Walsh before he hit the NRL. So I was very excited about this signing. Then Reese Walsh leaves, and it's like, damn, this fullback thing is starting to get pretty tricky. Chance Nicole Kluckstad answers the call, now one of our most important players, so much so that next year when RTS does return, that fullback role is Chance to keep. So CNK is my guy, I am such a massive fan, and whilst Reese Walsh, he has a lot of threats with ball in hand, Chance has added a lot to this game, or to his game rather. At more than just workload, now, especially with that right side tip off to guys like Wateni Zelezniak. He's becoming a real attacking threat. We saw him score the first try last weekend. Chance, he almost ran for 300 meters. One meter short, 299. But Chance, I know Sean Johnson is like the face of this run, but Chance is just as important in this game. So the fullbacks, my eagle eye, will be cast over those two. Then you have the right side of the Broncos up against the left of the Warriors, Katoni Staggs sell on Cobo. I wanna scream, I'm a bit scared. That scares me, even just reading that as a Warriors fan. Staggs and Cobo up against Pompey and Montoya. Now I expect the Broncos to send a lot of traffic the way of their right edge. So Pompey, Montoya defensively, they are gonna to have to put in the best game of their careers. And I know that's a lofty expectation, but that is the level that is going to be required if you're going to stop Stags and Cobo. Massive game for them. And yeah, like I said, I think a lot of play is going to come towards Stags and Selwyn. On the other side, you have Herbie Farnworth and Jesse Arthurs. Jesse Arthurs being preferred to Corey Oates. There you go. And Arthurs also a warrior last year on loan. Once a warrior... Always a warrior. Love you, Jesse. Happy to see him in this position. They'll be taking on Rocco Berry and Dellen wateni Lesniak, And much like Broncos will attack their right, it is believed Warriors will do much the same. We've seen Dellen scoring tries for fun and Sean Johnson on that right side as well. So naturally, they like to put a lot of attacking plays that right side or down that right side. I cannot speak English. And it's going to be a major focal point. Uh, But Herbie Farnworth for the Broncos is one who can really hurt us. He's head-to-head against young Rocco Berry. I'm nervous about the Englishman, Herbie. Dallin, well, Dallin's in career best form. And I hope he can score a try here. We we need a DWZ try. And if he scores a try, well, we could be on. We could be on. I don't want to say it. I don't know why I said it like that, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make. I'm very nervous. I didn't forget the Broncos game earlier this year where all their origin guys were out and they beat full-strength Warriors. I also haven't forgotten week one of the finals when we kind of got a look into where we stand up against a team like Penrith. So I'm very nervous, but also very excited. On to the halves. Tamari Martin, former Bronco, who we thought we were never even going to see again after he had to retire due to a brain bleed. When Reece Walsh went to the Broncos, Warriors requested something in return. Tamari Martin, a Kiwi half. And with Luke Metcalf down, I am so glad we have Tamari. First time in a long time uh, we've had some really genuine depth in the halves. It's pushed Sean Johnson to the best of his capabilities. SJ's locked down that halfback spot. Here Tamari Martin is against his former side, a former grand final player too. Tamari was actually involved in that Cowboys run without Jonathan Thurston. So Tamari was basically playing in that role of Jonathan Thurston, obviously not doing the same things. But with Thurston out, a lot of responsibility for Tamari. That was the season Michael Morgan went bang. So Tamari has won a preliminary final before. There you go. Whilst Ezra Mam, I thought he was super electric last year, but the one thing I could kind of fault him on was his defence. From Game 1 this year, funnily enough, against the Panthers, uh, he totally changed my opinion of his defence. He's obviously worked very hard in the off-season, and he's carried that through the whole year. Now when you think Ezra Mam, most notably, you think about what a threat he is, Uh, With his running game and his attack in general. But it's his defense this year that has helped Broncos as a whole lift to that next level. As the Broncos have lifted, Ezra Mam has done the same. Only his second season of first grade as well. When you consider some of the guys who've worn that jersey. Darren Lockyer, Kevin Walters, Ezra Mam. It looks like for the first time in quite a while... Since Milford, which went kind of pear-shaped, it seems like the Broncos know uh, who their number six is. So that is a massive battle. But the biggest, or the two biggest, Sean Johnson, Adam Reynolds, Fenua Blake, Payne Haas. I'll talk about Sean Johnson, Adam Reynolds first. And look, we've seen footage during the week of when they took each other on uh, in the under-20s, Holden Cup grand final, Warriors victorious over the Rabbitohs, Here they are, all these years later, as the most important players for their side. Sean Johnson has been made the face of it. And it's just, it's wild. The 2011 Grand Final, his first year, everything that has happened since, both with the Warriors and with Sean Johnson, personally and in his career, for it all to lead to this. Coming off last year, the worst year of his career, away from his family, his form, brought into question so much some people definitely not me calling for him to retire here he is now back with his family in New Zealand looks like he's going to win the Dalyem medal Adam Reynolds makes me the most nervous he's won a grand final before he has been the total catalyst for turning this Broncos side around he has been the key signing in the most crucial position that has taken Broncos from the bottom of the ladder to this point here. So Johnson, Reynolds, we know they are the main men in this game. Kicking games will be very important. Reynolds, that's one of his biggest strengths. Uh, Sean Johnson, he's gonna be under a lot of pressure. Brisbane will be told, put as much kick pressure as he can on Johnson. Uh, As far as running the ball, both of these guys have the ability to break the line and score a try. So yeah, that is easily the highlight battle. Sean Johnson, career best form. And if there was a Warriors halfback, Stacey Jones was a legend. But if there's one guy I would love to see complete, you know, the final chapter. He may go, he'll may he go around next year, but and it could be more likely that we win a Premiership next year. It looks like a tough mountain to climb uh, as far as beating Broncos and then probably... Penrith. But if there's one guy, I want to see Sean Johnson. From the 2011 Grand Final, can he make the 2023 Grand Final and this time around deliver the club's first premiership? Ho, ho, holy dooly. But Adam Reynolds, that's the big but. Because that's what he's there to do at Brisbane. Broncos have won premierships before. Reynolds has come back to get them back there. And they're on track, so... Reynolds, Johnson... I'll talk mostly about that on the Weekend Wrap podcast, because I assume one of them is going to come up with the ultimate masterclass to send their side through to the grand final. Uh, But that is the elite matchup. SJ, Adam Reynolds. Reynolds, when the sides met earlier this year, Broncos missing Walsh, Carrigan, Haas. Reynolds tore us apart. So... That is why I'm so damn nervous about him. Aden Fanua Blake, Payne Haas, two best front rowers in the world. Not going to argue with that. Fanua Blake, close to the line. We saw that try he scored uh, last weekend, that footwork at the line, the ability to offload. He is such an attacking threat. Very hard to contain. Broncos, that'll be the Ford Pack's number one job. Contain Aden Fanua Blake. Very much the same on the Warriors' side. We need to contain Payne Haas, who has that ability to play the full 80 minutes. He is the cream of the crop as far as front rows, and it would be the ultimate addition to this legacy he's building to get that premiership and do it at the Broncos. But if there is any front rower that can rival Payne Haas right now, it is Adinfenua Blake. So whilst Johnson and Reynolds... Is a matchup we will be watching whilst Walsh up against chance will be a matchup we will be watching, Adam Fenua, Blake Paynehurs that is where my bread is butted. then you have Pat Carrigan, the heart and soul of the Broncos, number thirteen, Captain for the Warriors, heart and soul, number thirteen, Torhu Harris, and uh, now Carrigan, what he adds is a lot of communication on field, unshakable defense, fantastic running game, whilst Torhu, tough as nails. But as far as that ball-playing element, Torhu that is a specialty of his. I think it is where we could potentially gain an edge. Now, Carrigan is such a workhorse, never going to let anyone down. But I really feel like Torhu adding that extra ball-playing playmaker... If guys are looking towards Johnson in defense, boom, Tohu, he can come up with the play. And then you have Dylan Walker, who can also play that ball-playing middle role. That's a massive point of difference for the Warriors. But that's my heart and soul matchup. Pat Carrigan. unbelievable performance this year. He is that heart and soul that drives this team. Was Tohu the exact same? This is my game of the round because some of these key battles are just as Good as it gets. With most likely the winner to get the right to face Penrith. Blimey, the Warriors are in. I can't believe it. I still actually cannot believe it. I just did not see this coming, going into this year whatsoever. I would have been happy if we finished eighth. I just wanted to make the top eight. And judging what I saw last year, second last finish, top eight seemed. Like a bit of a fantasy. Preliminary final weekend. Beating the Broncos seems kind of like a fantasy. I am ready once again to be pleasantly surprised. Holy dooly. Other key players for Brisbane. Tom Flegler in his last year at the club. Off to the Dolphins. He'll be mixing it up alongside Haas. Going against Vanua Blake and the Warriors Ford pack. And Haas can't do this all alone. Neither can Carrigan. That's a massive game for the Banana Farmer, looking to qualify for his first Grand Final. Much like many of his teammates and great friends in this side. Kurt Capewell though, he's a two-time Premiership winner. He's been at the Panthers, he's been at the Sharks. Here he is at the Broncos, at one of the early signings when Kevy came to the club, a Queenslander. Here he is. He's a key player, he knows what it takes to win a Grand Final, so... He'll be big here for the Brisbane Broncos. Jordan Ricky, a Kiwi. Damn. Playing in the Broncos side, uh, he's someone that can cause us some trouble. And Billy Walters, coach's son. He has been remarkable in the number nine this year. Uh, he has to be mentioned as a key player for the Broncos. Whilst for the Warriors, our dummy half, uh, he is equally as key, if not more. Wade Egan. Came over to us from the Panthers. I was stoked when we signed him. Always saw the potential. This year, everything I thought Wade Egan could be, he has been, and so much more. Now, a lot of the stuff Wade does, it doesn't really reflect on the stat sheet, but when he's out there, his service, the decision-making, the timing from acting half, it's all so on point. And as he started to have a bit more time in that Warriors jersey, develop into one of our leaders. He's had time now to build some combination uh, with the guys who've been at the club previously, but also the new guys who've come in. Wade Egan, we are only just at the tip of the iceberg for what he can do. Uh, so in a big game like this, Wade Egan, I believe he's gonna be one of our most essential. Mitchell Barnett, uh, we signed a lot of epic guys this year. Every time Barnett has played, I have frothed it, stoked about the Barnett signing, can play on the edge, has been playing in the front row. And again, I mentioned Payne Haas, Tom Flegler, Mitchell Barnett does not take a step backwards. He is game, he is totally up for this. And he has a bit of X factor himself as far as busting through the line and doing a little bit extra, more so uh, than just your usual front rower. Although they're not going up against your usual front rower. You're going up against the pinnacle in Payne I But Mitchell Barnett, love what he's brought to the club. Very much the same for Jackson Ford. Going into this year, I didn't know if he would be in our 17. He has locked down that starting back row position. And in a game like this, if Broncos don't get the jump on us and do what they did to Melbourne, in those late stages, if the game is on the line, that is where Jackson Ford plays his best football. When he's under fatigue, you know, when the guys have just barely any gas left in the tank, that is when Jackson Ford really comes to the party. So he seems like a really crucial player because of those traits, very resilient, and we're gonna need him here in this prelim. Murata Niokore played in the grand final last year for the Eels. He knows what it takes to win a preliminary final, Starting on the back row, right side, where I believe we'll send some traffic. And yeah, Muratani Okore, I'm pretty bloody happy. He's in the side. The Bald Brothers, two of my favorites. Dylan Walker has exceeded my expectations tenfold. And I had pretty high expectations. He's an ultimate clubman. He's played everywhere we've needed him to. And particularly in that 14 role, when he comes on the field and plays that ball-playing lock or middle forward role, we go to another level. Walker as a 14 is perfect. I wouldn't trade him for anyone else in that role. Then you have Jazz Tavanga, who we missed for a large part of the season after the Anzac Day game. I love Jazz. I feel like with our forward rotation, Jazz complements it perfectly. When we were uh, without him, when we were without him, Uh, I was just thinking, I cannot wait for Jazz to come back. Here he is, the Bald Brothers, Walker, Jazz Devong off the bench. These are two guys who are also not going to take a backward step. And Josh Curran, who I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but over the last few years, he has become one of my favorites in this Warriors lineup. And yeah, I'm just so proud he's in the jersey. He always does the jersey proud. Joshi Curran, I love him. I love him. Not afraid to say that. Uh, Last time these sides met, Broncos 26, Warriors 22. That was in Napier, New Zealand. Uh, Dillon scoring a double, Chance and Montoya scoring. And for the Broncos, they were without all their origin stars. I tipped the Warriors in this one because of that. I was like, surely we get the win in New Zealand. Adam Reynolds thought otherwise. Jordan Rickey scored a try, Ezra Mam scored a try, Uh, so they're ones we're going to have to watch. And Dean Mariner, who's not playing here, uh, but is an electric young talent, scored a double. So I remember seeing that and thinking, damn, even with mainly just Adam Reynolds, Bronco's still on another level. What has changed between now and then? Well, i are going to have to find out. I hope that the Warriors are significantly more up for this one. Stat attack, Broncos have won eight of their line past finals matches at Suncorp. Our Warriors winger Marcelo Montoya has scored in three consecutive games against the Broncos. Marcelo Montoya, signed by Nathan Brown after getting cut from the Bulldogs. What a player he's turned out to be. Broncos winger Selwyn Cobo has scored 21 tries in his last 21 games at Suncorp Stadium. Piss off, Selwyn, don't. Don't. Massive fan of Salwan Cobbo, but hopefully he has 21 tries in his last 22 after this weekend. Warriors winger Dallin wateni Lesniak requires one try to equal the club's tries in a season record, 23, held by Francis Malley on the tally. Uh, the Broncos have won only three of their past eight games at Suncorp. Really? Not even finals? Really? Broncos have won only three of their past eight games That's Suncorp. I swear. Well, fuck. If NRL.com telling, is telling me that, I'll take it. On to the next stat, though. Broncos have won just four of their last ten matches against the Warriors. I will also take that. I will also definitely take that. Now my confidence is rising. I'm forgetting about how we were outclassed by pretty much solely Adam Reynolds. Cool. These clubs have not met each other twice in a season since 2019. Wow. There you go. Uh, Two teams in the season remaining that I think have all five gears it takes to win a premiership. Penrith and Brisbane. I think they are the two teams that have that extra level that it's going to take. But final thoughts. I hope I am so bloody wrong about that. I'm sorry for being a little bit biased here, but... Forgive me, it's been a hot minute since Warriors have been in this position and I'm going to go down on my sword. I'm going to fucking be cheering the boys on, throwing my full support for as long as this season lasts. No matter what happens from here, could not be prouder of the team, so stoked we have Andrew Webster as the coach and this could just be the beginning of the Warriors uh, being a very strong team in years to come. So I am... Stoked. Stoked. Holy crap. Now we're just one day away. Brisbane, to their credit, have made a believer out of me. Long ago as well, like halfway through the season, I was like, this is a genuine premiership contender. Over the whole course of the season, even before we hit finals, if there's one team that beats Penrith and claims that throne, Brisbane have shown that they are up to it. So Brisbane, they deserve all the credit and respect here. They have every right to be confident, if they should win this, that they can beat the Penrith Panthers. And it would be a beautiful grand final. We've already seen the Panthers Warriors. We've already seen the Storm Broncos. Neutral fans, other than the ones cheering Warriors. Bloody oath, thank you. Some people may want to just see the two quote-unquote best teams go at it in the Panthers and Broncos. I hope Warriors are the ones to unsettle this rhythm. I hope they come in. I hope they turn this competition on its head. And I hope next week, all the way up to Sunday, I can dream of a potential first premiership this year. The year that out of any was the last I would have picked. Wild shit. My pick for this game, I'll give you my head tip straight from my brain, the Brisbane Broncos. I have far too much respect for their body of work. If I take my Warriors hat off and I give you the prediction from my brain, from my head, it is the Broncos. If I give you the prediction from my heart, that is the Warriors. I'm going with my heart. Like I said, I'm going all in. I'm dying on my sword. I'm backing the boys all the way. Full support. I do believe we can do it. At the very least, this game against Brisbane. We'll have to see though. I'm taking the Warriors. That's a bit of a head-heart pick. Head Broncos, heart Warriors. Tomorrow night, oh boy. I think we're about 26 hours away from the game. Who was counting though? So those are my tips, those are the games. I'm going Penrith, and you better believe I'm going the Warriors, but of course, 100% bias in that pick, that is just purely For the love of the game. But those are my picks. That's the podcast. I will of course be back on Sunday. Weekend wrap. So today was the preview. Sunday is the review. And on Monday. Following the chat on prelims. We start the grand final week content. That will kick off with the performance highlights for end of year. uh, 2023. Similar to the M. uh, Throughout grand final week. There'll be NRLW podcasts. There'll be the Grand Final Preview podcast. It is going to be popping off. And on the end of year pod as well, uh, I'm going to release some information on projects coming up around Rugby League uh, for the remainder of this year, starting in November. So we do have some international footy, uh, but we will have a break where there's no footy. There will be content though. I'll let you know on the end of year pod what we've got coming up. But that's been it for today. Prelim, finals preview. I hope I'm there on weekend wrap with the Warriors still in this competition. Let's see how it goes. There's only one thing we can do now. That is sit back, enjoy the footy. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it as always. There really is nothing else to do now. But take care of ourselves and enjoy the bloody football. If your team is still in the mix, Good luck to you, up the Warriors, and I will talk to you soon on the Weekend Wrap Pod.